Welcome to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Founding Pastor of the Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Rhonda, I'm excited about our guest today. Yeah, me too. Our friend and Pinnacle colleague, Eric Spivey, will be joining us today. Eric is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Gainesville, Florida. Gainesville, Florida. That's the home of the Florida Gators, is that right? That's the one. Oh, I guess we'll have to try to forgive him for that, right? Yeah, the, the tiger in me will try to find it in myself to do that. <laughs> and the volunteer in me, right? Well, seriously, I don't know about you, David, but I've really enjoyed learning from Eric, especially throughout this past year, as we've all been trying to lead our churches through the COVID crisis. Absolutely. Yeah, Eric has been both creative and intentional as a pastor, leading his church throughout this pandemic. So today we'll be talking with Eric about Chapter 3 in Mark Tidsworth's book, Reshape, um, which is all about reconnecting church. I'm going to guess that uh, Eric has thought a good deal about reconnecting in his context, and I am sure that we'll all learn a thing or two from Eric's creativity, his insight, the way he's thinking about reconnecting in his place. Yeah, I'm going to guess that you're right about that. So, let's talk about reshaping church and reconnecting. So, David, as we're talking about reconnecting, you know, we're talking about life after COVID and our church life and as pastors. I don't know if you're like me. I'm experiencing some joys in reconnecting. I'm experiencing some challenges in reconnecting. And um, just to be perfectly honest, a little bit of sorrow in reconnecting because I'm recognizing uh, that there are people who have intentionally disconnected. Um, So how about you? Is that your experience? Yeah, you know, Rhonda, I'm wondering if this is like a lot of transition moments in life, you know, whether that's personal life or our life as an organization or as a culture or society, you know, where every transition has its share of all different sorts of emotion that are connected with it, you know, from the joy and the excitement, the longing to be back together, and then sort of the shadow side that you mentioned, the grieving or the loss, whether it's about people who have lost their connection with our congregations, or whether it's with regathering in person, but realizing that there's still significant differences from the way we used to be able to do things. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's well said in any kind of life transition. I, you know, as we're coming back together, I have kind of people coming at me from different directions with different hopes and dreams and desires for the church. And I'm finding myself using this language of saying, yeah, that's a great idea, right? For instance, I think our top priority right now needs to be reconnecting. We've been so disconnected. And so I've appreciated that language that, um, that I gleaned from the Reshape book. And I feel like I'm maybe a step or two behind where you are, because the welcome table is a step or two behind in terms of our regathering in Mm -hmm. a physical, in-person kind of way. So we were even talking at some point this past week, you and I were, about how we are still worshiping only via Zoom. And hopefully in the next month or so, we'll be regathering in a physical space. Right. 
And there hadn't seemed to be the same sort of questions that were rising up or the same trepidation or uh, opportunities for conflict or thinking differently about this. For us, I wasn't at least sensing them until just the last week or two. And I Mm. feel like we're kind of getting to the point where the conversations are becoming real yeah, and people's ideas or thoughts or preferences, maybe even anxieties are starting to come out a little bit. So I think the reconnecting piece, you know, we're going to have to, like so many other things in ministry, we're going to have to be as intentional as we can about how we engage in these conversations as we reconnect so that they are profitable, productive, they move us forward toward our mission rather than sort of sidetracking or pulling people apart. Yeah. I've a metaphor that's been helpful for me in thinking about reconnecting is um, the family reunion. You know, yeah. it's it's one part joy and fun, and it's one part, oh, well, how's it going to be when I, uh, you know, see so-and-so? <laughs> so I, Yeah, um, you know some of those old stories, right? Yeah, Or some right? of the skeletons in the closet, <laughs> or I like that. I, I don't know if that'll be helpful for others, but I've found it helpful as I think about it. The church as a family is a, is a great image. And, you know, I wonder as we talk to Eric here in a minute, if uh, that idea, that image of family or how his family uh, there at the, the church in Gainesville, uh, how he sees them coming back together. Yeah. Well, let's bring on Reverend Eric Spivey. Hello, everyone. Great to see you. Thanks for inviting me on to your great podcast. I love the pastor life. It's wonderful. Well, you live the pastor life, so hopefully <laughs> it's a, a, you know, a community that we can all kind of be on the journey together in. We're grateful for your friendship and your work with Pinnacle and the chances we have to interact with you. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be able to be here today and just for us to share a little bit from what we've been about here in Gainesville. Well, Eric, why don't we get started by telling, why don't you tell us a little bit about your church and about your community? Well, you've already noticed that uh, we are a university town. Gainesville is an incredible community here in north central Florida. I've been here two years as pastor, so I had one year as a pre-COVID pastor, one year, uh, actually over now a year as a COVID pastor, and we'll see um, when when actually post-COVID actually begins. And so... Um, our, ch- our church is un- unique. We are a 151-year-old congregation, um, but we are now in the, in the suburbs. We transitioned from our downtown location about 10 years ago, and, um, and so that's a huge shift in a church to be able to do that, and I think that really sort of sets the stage for sort of who we are um, as a congregation in, the, in this COVID ministry as well, because when you have a vision for the gospel that's willing to rethink about everything beyond just the building, um, it gives you an opportunity to rethink everything. And so I think that has um, been sort of the shape of my ministry here, of helping us to think through what does it mean to be a, a congregation on this corner that is for the world, that is seeking to follow Jesus um, and to live um, God's love together in a way that um, is meaningful to us and meaningful to our community. So Eric, it seems like there was some history in place before you got there, and then the year that you had to get your feet under yourself and begin engaging with them and what ministry looks like together. It seems like there was a a capacity or an ability to adapt or a willingness to adapt. Um, how, how did that serve you 
as COVID happened? You know, what what was the spirit of the church? What were some of the things that you observed as you all had to adapt to this new thing that all of us were facing last year? I think it, you know, when you experience such a huge adaptive change as a transition of a building, um, it creates an openness for adaptive change. And I've really have, that was, that was obvious to me when I came to the church. Um, it's been obvious to me um, as I've, um, in my first year of beginning to lead and, and shift and focus for, for um, kingdom effectiveness in our, in our setting. Um, and then it's been um, obvious as we've moved into our COVID uh, ministry as well. Um, and so we, we've made some, we made some shifts pretty quickly. The church has been very um, open to help helping us to sort of figure out, okay, what do we need to do and how do we need to do it? And, um, and that that's sort of, and it creates, and it's been a fresh spirit. It's been hard. I think everyone would say all of this, none of this has been easy. It has all been really, really hard. And we've had to be real patient with ourselves and with our congregations and with the, and with the community. And, but it's just been, there's been a lot of heavy lifting and just as much as you like, you can do adaptive change when you're changing all the time and every week can be, okay, someone can't show up because they're in quarantine. Um, now let's figure out what we can do. Um, it's just, it, 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 that makes it just a very tiring experience too. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And that the heavy lifting, I haven't thought in terms of that, but after you do some heavy lifting, your muscles are really tired, right? And so exactly. uh, probably a lot of us pastors are feeling that same kind of fatigue. Um, so thanks for naming that. Well, let me ask you, are you, are you guys worshiping in person now? We are worshiping in person with some pretty um, stringent um, COVID guidelines. We've actually been doing this um, since last August. Okay. So yeah. we, uh, what felt like then was like we were behind the curve. Um, we were, but in, in fact, we were way, we were way ahead of in, in some ways. So for those who churches that began to worship in person, I think we were behind. And then we kept expecting there would be more church that kind of came after us. And I think that some then just chose um, to say, we're going to just ride this out. And so we're, so so we've we've learned a lot over the past year. We've had, but we've haven't had any um, any outbreaks in our congregation. We've had a lot. Our folks have been very attuned to our um, procedures and our guidelines. We file all of this. We we work really well with a um, the epidemiologist um, who works at the University of Florida. He kind of guided both the university's efforts, but also is a man of faith and worked really closely with all of our pastors in the community. And so we just sort of did whatever he said. And that, and that's how, and that's worked out really well for us. Do you feel as you've been through, I mean, from August until now, there've been a lot of moving parts all along yes. the way, moving parts in the, in the community and, and how COVID has been spreading during that time. I'm sure moving parts in your procedures and policies. You mentioned as a leader, feeling that heavy lifting kind of piece. I'm imagining that maybe the congregation has felt that or you've sensed that from different people within the congregation over time. How, how does that sort of, if there was a temperature check for your congregation, how do you think folks are feeling at this point in time? I think, I think our folks are feeling like we've, we have gotten through the, the hardest stage and they're beginning to breathe a sigh of relief that we're, we're through, we're, we're through something. Our folks for the most part, um, have been very um, engaged with the vaccination um, um, efforts, and so um, 
you know, we, we keep seeing more people show up in worship who haven't been here for over a year um, after, after they've gotten vaccinated and, and are fully vetted and those kind of things. There is a sense that we've gotten through a good bit, but we're not there yet. And so my task has been to say, we've done really well. We've done good ministry. We've protected one another and protected our community well. Let's stay the course. Let's don't pull back too quickly. And um, that will probably get, will be getting harder and harder as we go along. But I think I, I, I'm, I sense that over the next three months, we're just going to, it's going to be even more continuous change that as more classes are fully vaccinated and they want to meet together that we haven't, we haven't been doing that. We may get some more opportunities for that. Um, and we'll have to decide what to do. So we'll, it's, it's just going to be continuous change, I think, because it's not, it's not done yet. The word I keep hearing is decision fatigue. <laughs> just all the yep. decisions. And we keep having to revisit the same decisions over and over again. Um, do you feel a lot of pressure in your context to snap back to the way things were pre-COVID? I think so. I mean, I'm not sure a lot of pressure. I think, there, I think there's a question about what will it look like. I mean, one of the questions is what time will we worship? Um, we, we, when we began to, um, we had two worship services. One was a kind of a um, smaller con- um, contemplative service. Um, then we had a primary service at 11. And so we, we shot down the middle when we began and had our service at 10. That gave us time to prepare for the live stream and all the technical pieces that we had to do. And so one of the questions will be, what time will we worship? Will we have two worship services again? Will we have one? Uh, what will Bible studies look like? And so um, our, our task is going to be trying to help our church really s- sort through what does that need to look like? And I, I think that's one of the things that, um, one of the exercises in Reshape that I think is so valuable that, that Mark sort of outlines is this sorting process. What needs to stay gone that we did before? What do we do before that needs to, that we need to continue? What have we learned that we have started that we want to keep going? And, and then what else needs to, what new things need to take place? Um, we're sort of in that, I think that's sort of our next stage of learning is this sorting process to begin to say, okay, what do we want to, what, what, what is ministry here going to look like from a, on a weekly basis, annual basis? And, and, and I think, you know, we've been prepared. We've been doing a lot of preparing for this moment throughout the throughout COVID. So we've been doing the, all of our basic ministry during COVID, but we've had this sort of underneath back um, piece that we've just been we've we've created a rule of life and a discipleship framework. We've entered that that to the church, and that's going to be one of the things that really kind of guides us along the way. We've done a lot of work on cultivating generosity within the church. We've done a lot of churning underneath that we hope now as we move to this sort of um, next stage of ministry that will be guided by those by those processes as well as what people want to experience when they get back. I think that's really great, Eric. And the ability to keep those conversations going and to keep the energy and the um, discernment going, even when some of the normal activities of church life, you know, that we typically think of on the church calendar. You know, our church calendars have had to change so much this year and the way that we have carried on programs or events. But it almost sounds like you've used that opportunity to say, let's dive in a little deeper into to why we exist, why we're here and what we're called to do. To me, that really connects with this part in Mark's book 
in the reconnecting chapter about reconnecting to that which has not changed. You know, what are the underlying pieces that guide who we are and what we do? And as we reconnect to those, that's going to help shape some of these other pieces. What does it actually look like yes. on the surface? How do you sort of react to that? You know, that that piece of reconnecting to those deeper questions. Are there are there sort of guiding questions or guiding images or statements? I know you mentioned your rule of life that's been developed recently. What are kind of the guiding forces behind the reconnecting conversations that are happening? It's really fascinating. I think one of the interesting parts of COVID is that it has revealed churches identity and values. We've had to lean into that. And sometimes those are the, you know, underneath values that we don't really pay attention to. It's maybe some values that we really don't want to say are our values, but we've, it's come out. And so I think that though that, those identity, that identity question of who are we, why do we exist is becoming a more important than any, than ever. I think part of our, part of my task, I see in the next uh, month or so, we're going to be gathering together for a leadership retreat. And part of our leadership retreat is asking, let's dig down deep. We've got these, we got a vision statement. We got a calling statement, what, who we're called to be, what we're called to do. But what does it really mean? If we drill down and I have to, t- and I have to talk to a person in the community that says, what, well, what is First Baptist? How do I describe that? What, what does that mean? And you know, if that's what that means, how does that then guide us into looking to how to re-engage these uh, into our the things that matter to us and how do we help those things become even more uh, meaningful to us, but not just to those in the congregation, but those in the community as well, because that's going to be our bigger challenge. You know, it's hard in that, you know, we can't invite people to church. It's hard to invite people to church because then, because you know, and I've you know the other part about COVID is, you know, we even though we've been going through church this time and we've been meeting, we've got a lot of you know some people who would come and they go, well, I'm so sorry, there's just so many, there's there's not not many people here, and I'm like, that's okay. That means that some people are protecting themselves, and that's where they're supposed to be. And so it's 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 having to force us to say we, that there are some things we can't do yet, and so is trying to figure out what how do we when we can. What does that look like, and how do we engage our our, our community? Yeah. So, so when when you begin uh, the more intentional reconnecting process, do you have thoughts about a way to kind of uh, uh, concretize, you know, to a pragmatic way to reconnect beyond come to church on Sundays at ten or eleven or nine or whenever you end up worshiping? Mm-hmm. That's I mean, one of the questions about that is, is just how do we do that? And when, and when is the time to do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that was one of our questions in our staff meeting yesterday. I was thinking, you know, okay, how do we do it? Is there something we can do this summer that connects us? And, and our question and our, and our staff were like, it's, it's, too soon to, it's too soon to answer that. You can't plan that. You know, we're making plans that in September we have a grand reopening. We, we will establish, here's what our weekly ministry is going to be. Here's when worship is going to be. Here's what Bible study will look like. Here's what weekday ministry will look like. Here's what the next year is going to look like. Here's, we're going to, our, our task and challenge for our staff is, all right, let's, let's plan out a year. We've had a whole year and a half. There's been nothing on the calendar. Now let's fill the next year and a half up and let's figure out what that's going to be. Now, there's a lot of assumptions in that, you know, based off of what we continue to see. I don't know what, you know, I'm not sure what mask will look like then. My goal as a pastor, though, 
is to give something to our church that they can that they can rest on. Here we're going to settle into this. No changes for the coming year. This is when we're going to you know because there have been so many other changes in everyone's life that if we can finally get through this sort of turbulent water of constant change and come to a point where we can okay settle in here's what we're going to do i'm hopeful that will be that will give people the ability to re-engage to say okay here okay i can rest okay you know here's where my worship service is going to be here's where my bible study is going to be and that's my hope to try to have as little change in the next year after this as possible so this is shifting a little bit to one of the things that Rhonda mentioned in the opening, and that's the shadow side of reconnecting. The idea that as we do reconnect, as we become more able to be in person in the sanctuary or in small groups or in all the other settings and mission venues, all the ways that we have been together as church in the past, there may be people who don't reconnect. And I'm wondering, you know, COVID has really been an accelerator of many things in, I I think, our larger culture and in the church, things that were happening, trends that were happening, and have been accelerated over the last year. And I wonder, I'm sure there are people that going through the last year, it has created in them a longing to be back together in Christian community. I also wonder if there are people that the COVID experience has led them to believe that there's not something so special or important about connecting in Christian community. So I I wonder what you're sensing there. Are you finding that maybe there are people who are seeing this as as good a time as any to disconnect rather than to reconnect? Or is it even just too early to, to sort of know yet? You know, I don't. I don't know where I got this number, but I learned. I heard it from some podcast, some reading, somewhere over the past year, that predicted that twenty percent of our churches just across the board will never come back. That there would just be there's going to be twenty percent of what normally was an engaged um, participant in worship and in church that just won't be here. You know, and I, I've just sort of kind of saw that and realized, okay, there 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 is going to be a part of that that I that I have no control over. It doesn't matter how hard we work. Doesn't matter how many ministries we produce. Doesn't matter, you know, that are just going to be kind of like what you said, David. That they've 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 lived for a certain time without congregational um, connectedness, and they're going to back away. And there, I think there are a lot of details about that. Some of it has to do with some of the political environments. We I've heard both from from far from both both from the on the right and those on the left who are like, I'm not sure if I can worship with people who do that. You know, and so there. I think that's going to be a piece. I think there are the folks that recognize I don't. I got along without on on Sunday mornings without going to church. I can do that as well. But I think, and then I think the other part is that people have been worshiping in congregations around the country throughout the year, and so they recognize you know whatever we do is good, whatever we do is bad. You know, if, if they and if they can find you know. There's always going to be a church that can do our worship better than what we do, whether because of money or talent or or whatever. And so, um, I recognize that that is going to be a that the people have recognized that. But I think what we what no one can replace is the power of our fellowship, 
the power of what it means to be a part of our church, to engage in, in following Jesus with this community of faith. I think that's one of our great strengths that you continue to hear along from folks who are in and folks who are out and folks who have been here forever, is that there is something unique about our fellowship. And so while we have engaged a you know a, a digital ministry and we see that as a as as that's it, it will continue we will it will we will always have live stream now we've built the capacity we've got the volunteers it we will always have lit we call it sanctuary and living room worship that's part of that will be what we do however i think that um, our strength will be helping connect people to following jesus in the in, the, in this faith community and that's going to be where we can build our our capacity growing going forward that you can't find from just you know um you know streaming many different services on Sunday to get the preacher that you that that fits whatever you want them to hear or that you like what they say or how they say it or or something like that and i think that's that's been sort of the importance for us for our rule of life we call it the trellis and as we've developed that in the middle of the, uh, and we we kind of we were we were working on it before the pandemic hit, and once the pandemic hit, I said, this is what we've got to do. And so we began, you know, fast fast tracking that and developing our we eight our eight practices, spiritual practices that will shape our discipleship. And we've said these are going to be the things that we have to do together. And these and this will be the thing that that sets us apart and that you and that and draws you into the community that says, you know, if you come and be a part of this this faith community, then you can your your life with Jesus will will grow and we will be a part of helping you to do that. And that's going to be, you know, and that's going to be beyond you know the the digital aspect of it is going to at some point happen in in person and 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 with people and even if it happens digitally I mean it could be over Zoom or other kind of ways but it's going to, there's there's something that continues to um, to connect them to a, our church on our particular corner in Northwest Gainesville. I love your language, the power of this fellowship, and that's that's something you can't. Mm -hmm. Uh, recreate that's something you can't get from the Joel Osteen broadcast you know it's just right. not you know that's a local church uh, unique thing that we, we can offer so thank you for that language well let me ask you Eric what are you noticing about yourself as you uh, try to lead your church through this what are your own needs and and how are you attending to your own care during this time I think there are two things that sort of happen to me, one happened um, back in July when we were sort of feeling this pressure to have to, to have to reopen and trying to figure out what to do. And there were so many, um, and in my in my creative mind was just sort of going crazy. And I kept trying to think, I can't, you know, you can't waste this this opportunity. You got to keep kind of be as creative as you can. And and I and we had um, some things happening with our with a staff. I had a staff member who was trying to quit because she couldn't. She didn't want to meet in person. Um, I had um, uh, another staff member get COVID, and 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 those were all happening at the same time. I went to a trusted friend, and we sat in lawn in um, lawn chairs on his on his um, driveway, and I just said, you know, I don't know what to do. I did, I'm just I'm just over overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And he said, Eric, you know, no one tries to paint the battleship in the middle of the storm. You have to just weather the storm. He said, your task is just to get us through the storm. And it was the, the most freeing thing that someone said to me through this process, that my task was not to try to, fit, to be the most creative example of being church. My task was to just help our church 
weather the storm. And so I feel it now that we have weathered the storm. There's still some, there's still bands out there that are still blowing through that are unpredictable. And I, I and I'm just, I'm, I, I just was acknowledging this week, I was talking to one of our church um, leaders and said, I just feel exhausted. And it, it feels like, like if you've ever been a part of a traumatic event and your adrenaline goes and you just do whatever you have to do to get through it and you just go and you pump and you go and you, you just, whatever that is, whether you're, uh, you know, EMT person or fireman or, or a chaplain or whatever you're doing. But when you get done, you just feel like that's when everything hits you. And that's kind of where I am now. I feel like we have done and gone and gone and gone and gone. We've gotten ourselves mostly through the storm. And now is when the adrenaline's beginning to die down. And I recognize um, how tired I am. And I, and I, and for me, the tiredness is when the ideas don't come as well. When the when the 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 creativity dies, you know, um, and so for me that you know, as we're kind of looking toward this sort of restarting in the fall, you know, we're not trying to push it really hard for the summer. You know, there there are lots of things we could do, but it's like, okay, what do we really have to do to sort of kind of get through this? You know, there might be some small technical changes we'll do, we might add a few things here and there, but to really not to really slow down a little bit longer keep ourselves a little bit saner. And for me, it's going to be getting away for a couple of weeks um, that I haven't been able to do, to do since I've been here. And hopefully those pieces then will kind of drive us to finish up, to, to then finish and start well, um, you know, with, with, with these sort of new plans for, um, for the next year or so. Well, I think, first of all, I would want to say thank you for the way that you shared in a vulnerable kind of way. I think you, you've expressed some of the feelings that all of us have had and that lawn chair conversation, you know, it brought back some memories of conversations that I've had over the course of this past year. And I think many pastors who are listening in, hopefully they've had some of those moments too, where they've had somebody who's cared enough about them to speak the truth in love and provide a, a a different perspective for us who we're all in the weeds. We're, I mean, we are breaking out the paint and trying to paint that battleship even right. in a hurricane. And so I'm really grateful for that image and for your being willing to kind of share an experience that I think a lot of people will resonate with. And my hope is that, that people who are hearing this, that they will have a person like that lawn chair companion. Uh, and, yes. and if not, that they would know that there's probably somebody out there that they could reach out to uh, when they need to. So I really appreciate that. And I feel like in this whole conversation, you know, we didn't point back to the reshape book and, and concepts all that much. And yet, as I'm kind of thinking back over the, the things that you've said and the conversation we've had, you know, these ideas of reconnecting to the things that haven't changed, those things that are drilling down underneath constant uh, about our identity, about who God is, about who we are, you know, that reconnecting with community, with what does that mean, even in a digital or a hybrid world? You know, what does it mean to be Christian community together, to be living in the Jesus way of life together? And we, we also have, I think, talked about this need for reconnecting to Sabbath rest and the decision fatigue. And, you know, even now where it's tempting to say things are opening up, we need to get busy doing stuff mm -hmm. to have that patience to say, 
do we really? Or is there still a need for that rhythm of Sabbath and work? And we've been doing a lot of heavy lifting. Do we need to let the muscles recover a bit? So all of those themes, I just really appreciate how you wove them all through this conversation, Eric. And I, I appreciate you being a part of this. Well, I'm just honored you all invited me to participate. Um, I'm really grateful for the work that you all do, um, helping um, all of us live this pastor life. Um, you know, it's never easy. And, uh, you know, it has, it, the last year has been, has pumped a lot of uh, uh, extra stress into a already um, not easy um, life. But um, I'm grateful for friends who um, walk beside us and help us um, to name what we're struggling with and to help us recognize that it's, we're not just the only ones going through it. So thank you all. Thank you, Eric. Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Be sure and check out our website at pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com to learn more about Pinnacle, more about Pastor Life, or how you can lead your church through the reshape process. And sign up for our weekly e-news with relevant articles and other resources from our team, as well as information about upcoming webinars and coaching cohorts. So, hey, David, a guy walks into the bar <laughs> and he says, I like hey. these jokes. Yeah, you like these? Hey, barkeeper, did you ever hear the one about the Florida Gators? And then four huge men, they stand up and they approach the guy. And one of them says, hey, we play football at UF. You want to tell us that joke? And the guy replies, what? And have to explain it four times? Oh, boom, boom. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. We just earned a lot of listeners in Gainesville, Florida, I'm sure. <laughs>